Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother and co-host, the Jobsworth, Matthew Henry. <laughs> I like how we can hear hear you typing as you. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not sure if I. Okay, maybe, maybe I'm a job worth. <laughs> it's it's not exactly a compliment, is it? No, no, no. As, yeah. as the dictionary says, an official who upholds petty rules, even at the expense <laughs> of humanity or common sense. Wow, that's not the de- definition I saw, because that's horrible. <laughs> that's the one that I just typed into the old Google, and that's what came up. But... <laughs> I like that one a lot. <laughs> then another Urban Dictionary, a low-ranking official who follows their instructions and procedures to the letter. Often yeah, just okay. to piss you off and to make them feel important. Uh, okay, well, here's the one that I have, which okay. is from Dictionary.com, which I, I understand is like it's like the low rent like, compared to like you know Merriam-Webster. But anyway... A person in a position of minor authority who invokes the letter of the law in order to avoid any action requiring initiative or cooperation. So it's kind of insulting, mm-hmm. but it's it's not as bad as those other ones. And it's just like, no. what was the one about humanity? Like <laughs> the expense of humanity or the expense sense. of humanity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, and now I'm that gonna... you mention it, I I am not that at all. I, I just gotta no, say, you, I, yeah, no. I, I'm gonna defend myself on that one because. Uh, I think people who work for me might say that I actually require them to do things, uh, you know, because we should be doing them, not not the other way around. But anyway, I see, I see, I see. You're one of you're a rebel. Yeah, you're a rebel with a cause. Yeah, you know, I actually speaking of, so I was I was thinking of advertising campaigns for the Y the other day, mm, mm-hmm. and and I was trying to be irreverent a little bit, and my favorite one was, um, uh, come watch your kids get kicked in the shins. <laughs> and it says, and then it shows kids, you know, playing soccer, and then on the, on the underneath it, it says, "It's fun, we swear." And uh, <laughs> it's especially fun when it's other kids. Yep, yep. You know, it's not your kid getting it because when it's your kid getting it, you kind of have to like, okay. <laughs> I mean, with is, my kid, I'm like, he gonna cry? But then I'm like, oh, yeah. just rub some dirt on it. It's okay. Yeah, but is he is he gonna cry? And then you know, and then he looks into the stands for you. My approach was always double thumbs up, big smile. <laughs> <laughs> Are you having fun? No. Yeah. No, not having fun. <laughs> not having fun. My other oh. my other favorite ad was it was this really muscular guy, you know, he's working out and it says, "Let's face it, you'll never look like this." And then and then I said and then it says exercise anyway, join the Y. Um <laughs> mm. So, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, those are a little bit of a rebel. Yeah, you know, those I are think those, those... those are pretty. Yeah, those are those are outside of the, the beaten path. It's definitely not jobs worthy. In, um, <laughs> I, I think I think if you're a good jobs worth though, you're 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 doing it because you believe the rules are stupid, right? And so by 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 forcing people 
to follow the rules or by telling your higher ups that you're following these rules exactly, you're demonstrating that the rules are stupid. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, so it's this kind of like contrarian rebellion kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But but mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's yeah, I don't think Jobsworth means that Jobsworth just means that is you just do that because you're evil. You're evil. And, you know, I have a little bit of respect for that. <laughs> a little, a little bit. A little, a little. It's, it's nothing, there's, there's nothing wrong with being just a little bit evil. Yeah. Well, especially, you know, you get that first taste of power. Yeah. 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 Okay. There's probably, there's probably a lot wrong with that. I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. <laughs> you don't need to tweet at me. You don't need to. Uh, toot uh, at you. To toot at me from Mastodon. Is that what they do on Mastodon? They toot? That's, that's, and I, but I, I actually had to read up on it a little bit because we recently joined Mastodon. At giant cocktails at sfba.social. And uh, I had to kind of bone up on the lingo and all that. And I heard that, yes, technically they're called toots, uh, but that's mm-hmm. on the way out. That it seems like more and more people are just using the word post. <laughs> they don't want to, they don't want to make a fart reference. Exactly. Do. I, I don't, I don't. I mean, I, every time I'm like, really, I'm tooting. That's what I'm doing. Like I just, you know, I, I feel like every time I hear that word, I think of a fart. So. All right. Well, anyway, folks, today (laughs) is Wednesday, November 30th, as we record this podcast. This is what you get, folks, when nothing happened between now and our last podcast. Uh, It has been seven days since we last recorded and uh, six days since we last posted, although I guess it'll be seven days by the time you hear this since we last posted. And yeah, literally nothing has happened. I do think the Giants did sign some guys that they had DFA'd. They then signed those guys to, to minor league contracts. So Sam Delaplane fans... Never fear. Mauricio Yovera, he's back. Mauricio Yovera is actually a good one. Yeah. I, 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 yes. I'm surprised he Yoveta. didn't get a major league contract, actually. But okay. I'm surprised, too. But, you know, he did hurt himself at the end of the season. He had that forearm injury. Oh, right. You know, just as he was starting to, to do well. Um, but anyway, so, so, so that did happen. But other than that, nothing happened. Uh, certainly nobody played any baseball games. And more importantly, well, at least not on this side of the equator. And, and more importantly, Aaron Judge is still a man without a job. Yeah, I mean, he just went home and had Thanksgiving dinner. That's all we know. That's right, with friends and family. That's right. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I think, what else is there to really to really talk about um, than what Aaron Judge is doing right this second? Aaron, what are you doing? <laughs> are you still in Linden, or did you go back to uh, to Tampa? I heard that people said that because you live in Tampa... That means you're going to sign as a Yankee because that's Yankees territory. First of all, there is literally a baseball team in that area. But that's also, a major league team. I think the Yankees don't the Yankees do spring training there. They do spring training there. Yes, of course. But it's, it's a little interesting to call that Yankees territory, especially for for a team that has not done so well against the the, the Rays for the last few years. But anyway, uh, I I digress. Uh, but I think it's interesting because I'm like he probably lives there to maximize the amount of time that he doesn't have to travel as many, which is the same reason that many people, many baseball players live in Arizona. Right. right? So it's not that uh, he doesn't live in Tampa because he loves the Yankees. <laughs> I think he probably lives in Tampa because he works for the Yankees. Exactly. Um, so Scottsdale is a lovely community to buy a home. Yeah, Scottsdale. I'd see that's, I mean, I'm sure a lot of, uh, a lot of giants and uh, other baseball players would, would say the same. Um, and, you know, I think he is a little bit familiar with, with Northern California. But before we go all in on Aaron Judge, we need to, uh, we need to do the deed. We need to, to do the thing. We need to, you know, Bob, we need to, really? you know. I don't got a question. Yeah. Oh, oh, snap. 
Oh, snap. I do have a question for you. I thought so. Because I, 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 I totally, I totally forgot. I totally forgot. And, I do and, have a and it's funny, listeners. So we have show notes that we do. We never put the question into the show notes ever. And yeah. Ben just always remembers to like throw yeah, out the I question. For, I, and so I, I was like waiting for the question. And... Well, it, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm, my, my, the reason I don't put the question in the notes, by the way, is because I don't want you to know what it is. Right. But we don't even have question like in the show notes. It's just. Yeah. Correct. It's, it's Correct. There. Anyway. That's right. Um, uh, Matthew, are you a flibber, flibberty gibbet? A, 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 excuse me? A flibberty gibbet. Fliberty Gibbet. Gibbet. Sorry. Uh, Fliberty Gibbet. So this game reminds me of when uh, my kids were younger, before they had taken any Spanish. And I would ask them, ¿Quieres comer caca? You know, or something like that, right? And they'd be like, "See," sí. And I'd be like, ah, you want to eat poop? Right? So that was... Uh, you know, fun thing that I do with my kids and, and, you know, they learn Spanish that way. But, but, uh, so I'm going to say, so I have a 50, 50 shot on this one. I'm going to say yes. I would agree. I would think that we're both Fliberty Gibbets. A Fliberty Gibbet is a silly and talkative person. Oh, absolutely. I'm a Fliberty yeah. Gibbet for sure. Yeah. I, I, I was, I, I had that in Jobsworth and I didn't know which one, like I thought, oh, I could use both. One could be the superlative and one could be the question. And, uh, I thought Fliberty Gibbet was too, was too, too nice. And so I didn't want to put that as your superlative. <laughs> yeah. Cause you don't want to yeah. compliment me at all. No, I don't want to compliment you. No, why no. would I do that? No, I, it's 46 knows? years. Why would I stop? Start now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. Now, now, Bob. Ask Matthew the question, please. What are you drinking, Matthew? Before I tell you what I'm drinking today, Bob, I need to issue a mea culpa. <laughs> so I've heard the term COVID brain before, you know, and uh, you get all foggy and you don't, you can't think as clearly. And and while I had COVID, I was like, I don't have COVID brain. This That was silly. That was stupid. Until... Just this week, I am fully recovered. I'm beyond it. I'm feeling good. And I look back over the last few weeks, and I realize that I did the same cocktail last week as I did three weeks ago. The uh, the cinnamon tequila sour uh, made it two appearances over three weeks. And listeners, if you caught that, I'm impressed because Ben didn't. <laughs> okay, look, I'm drunk half the time on this show. Literally half the time. Why, why would I notice that? Even if I did notice it, I would forget it by the end of the show. <laughs> That's right. And and in our, you know, what? We're on episode 78. So there have been literally 144 cocktails uh, that we have uh, pushed out there. And we've maybe had a couple of repeats. Uh, but each time we've done the repeat, we kind of did it on purpose. Uh, this time yeah. it was three weeks later and, and no one noticed. But anyway. I mean, maybe they did notice. They just didn't care to tell us. Yes. But, yes which, yeah. uh, none, of, none of us noticed. But certainly Bob didn't notice. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Bob. I don't get paid enough for this. That's right, Bob. You don't get paid enough for this. <laughs> That's not what you said when you did it. <laughs> All right. Well, so so uh, different different uh, drink this week, I, I swear. But kind of in the same family. Uh, this, this drink uh, is called the Infante. And it is comprised of two ounces of reposado tequila, three quarter ounces of lime juice, and three quarter ounces of orgeat syrup. 
which is an almond-flavored uh, syrup mm-hmm. that's uh, common in Mai Tais. That's kind of what you'll find it mostly in. And uh, you combine all those into a cocktail shaker with ice, and you shake it until well-chilled and double-strain it into a rocks glass with a big old chunk of ice. And then you garnish it with a little bit of grated fresh nutmeg. And we've been seeing that a lot lately. Yeah. Uh, so I... Put a little bit of that in there. I threw a lime wedge in as well. And uh, it's a basically a tequila sour, but it's uh, you know using orgeat. And so it gives it a little bit deeper, kind of more more nuance in the sweetness there. And the reposado tequila also gives it a little bit more depth. Uh, you could use a blanco tequila, but the reposado really, uh, I think, brings out a lot of flavor and, and nuance to this drink. And it's a very simple one to make. And uh, if you got some orgeat in your fridge, which you should, uh, then uh, I highly recommend it. Great drink. So cheers, Ben. Cheers, Matthew. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, orgeat is also known as ogre eat. Yes. When we first debuted show. it, we didn't even know how to pronounce it. So uh, Yeah, ogre just, eat. Ogre eat. Mm-hmm. Ogre eat. Um, well, actually, I mean, that's a great way to take a classic, simple cocktail on the, the, the very standard cocktail template and make it, uh, you know, make it, uh, make it fall appropriate, right? It, it is a seasonal appropriate because the, the orgeat brings a little bit of that. And certainly, you know, when you grate nutmeg over anything, it, it turns it into, you know, a, a fall, a fall thing, right? You know, you want to, you want a fall flavored hot dog, little bit of little nut, nutmeg over it you know you want a fall flavored uh, cherry coca-cola just a little nutmeg over it you know it's um if you want well i but, could do this all day i was gonna say ben's now the the mayor of flavor town look out guys <laughs> that's right that's right the next election <laughs> vote for ben mayor of flavor town uh well that's a very tasty cocktail i, I you know and i'm just glad it it wasn't a cinnamon tequila sunrise or whatever, or whatever that's right you were drinking. all right bob hit ben up what are you drinking ben well thank you for asking bob that's very kind of you um well as we know the giants have not signed aaron judge so um, today I, I am supposed to be presenting to you Planters Punch number six. Yeah, what do you mean six. supposed to be? Well, okay, so look, here's the thing about commitment, folks. Um, you know, it's really more of a suggestion. It's a guideline uh, rather than a rule. Mm, um, no. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's like when you like most commitments, they're just like you know, it's, it's optional. Yeah, it's optional. I'm going to look up the word commitment <laughs> and see what it says here. Look, uh, well, okay, look, look, here's the thing. Sometimes you get tired of something and you just got to, you got to turn it in for a newer, younger model. Wait, what am I talking about again? <laughs> a pledge uh, or undertaking, the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause, an engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. That sounds like it's well, locked in. Commitment well, means you you're know, locked in. Yeah. Well, you know what, Matthew? I guess I'm just a rebellious spirit. Oh, you SOB. Because because <laughs> here's the thing. I'm, I was getting a little bored of them. I was getting a little bored. And you know what? It's getting cold out there. 
It's like it's like it's below fifty degrees, Matthew. Serious. And and all of us, all of us listening to this this podcast, and and you and I sitting here in our closets, we're all freezing our butts off. Like this is like serious blizzard conditions. Yeah, t- today, this- today, I had to go into the closet and find a, a, um what are those called um a jacket. That's right. Yeah. Well, the sweatshirt I just did, wasn't enough. I had to actually find a full length jacket to to wear. Well, I didn't I didn't go that far. I wore a long sleeve shirt. You know, mm-hmm. it was a thick one. It was a thick one. But anyway, what I'm saying is it's cold. And when it's cold outside, sometimes you need something to warm you up. And a cold, frothy, uh, even fall-focused planter's punch just wasn't doing it. So this week, Matthew, I'm having a nice pitcher full. Well, it's not a pitcher. I guess it's a, this is a big Yeti mug. It's a tumbler. Full. full. Tumbler. Yeah. yeah. Large tumbler full of mulled wine. That's right. I mulled my own wine. That's like a grown-up thing to do. It is a very grown-up thing to do. It also makes the house smell really nice. Mm-hmm. Like, see, see, like, doesn't this? Even though this is wrong, doesn't it? Isn't it starting to feel right? Yeah. No, I, I've, I've mulled yeah. wine before. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's definitely a nice uh, diversion from the general cocktail for sure. Yeah. So I, I took a bottle of two buck chuck. That I had hiding in my bar. I was I was uh, I was recycling the bottles in my bar and, and putting in some new some new wines that we had recently acquired. And I found a bottle of two buck chuck that I had clearly meant for um, sangria. And I instead decided, you know what? I'm not going to drink that straight. I'm going to mull that. And uh, so I poured it into a big pot. I threw in some allspice berries, some anise stars. Some cloves and some cardamom. No oh, and some stick? cinnamon sticks. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All yeah. Right. All right. And cinnamon sticks. And uh, I brought that to a simmer for about 20 minutes. I also added some some uh, some cognac and, and some sugar, a little bit of sugar because, you know, um, I, I'm nothing if not a sugar um, addict. And, uh, and I let that simmer for about 20 to 25 minutes and then... Uh, and then, well, I, I have put everything, all those ingredients into like a little special mulling satchel I have. Mm. That's right. I have a mulling satchel. You didn't just throw and them in there and let them float, huh? You got a little little bag. No, that's right. I got a little bag. I got a little baggie. And uh, it keeps everything clean and neat. But, you know, you don't have to do it that way. You can just pour it through a strainer or whatever. But this way, you, you minimize the spillage, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I just poured that all here into my, my Yeti tumbler. And, uh, and it's, it's really hitting the spot, you know, it's a little bit lower of an ABV, but it's so warm and so like enjoyable. You can just drink the whole thing. And basically you're drinking a bottle of wine, you know? Yeah. You probably, you probably simmered a little bit off, but you reinforce it with, with the cognac or the brandy at the beginning. And then everything just kind of evens out. So, you know, um, so if, if that's, if you're worried about that, don't worry, my friends. Um, oh, and by the way, I, I did take a photograph of this in a better, in a better. I didn't oh. just leave it in my Yeti tumbler. All right, good. So, so look for that on the on the Instagrams and the Twitters and the the mastodons or the the I don't know blue whales, whatever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's my cocktail. Well, that sounds really nice, and I, and I will say that if you have like if you're doing a hosting a party or anything like that. Uh, over the holidays, uh, doing that in a crock pot, mm. uh, throwing a bottle of wine, and 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 then having the satchel is 
is even more uh, useful when you're doing it at a party because then you just throw a ladle in there and you let people yeah. serve themselves and you don't have to worry about, you know, kind of getting... You can just keep reinforcing it with more wine if you, you know, if it's running low. Also, you could put that side by side with some mulled cider mm-hmm. and then a couple of bourbon, a little bourbon on the side there. So the kids can have their regular mulled cider and then the adults can have mulled cider with a little bit of bourbon or they can just have the mulled wine. Yes. So and the long and short of it is, folks, is um, it's OK to cheat if you uh, cheat with, you know, if, if it's enjoyable. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's cheat, man. Let's just. OK. Uh, let's, let's, okay. Uh, you heard it. You, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of cheating, one could say that the Yankees are cheating by leaking out their offer that they reportedly made to Aaron Judge, which, uh, according to sources, uh, I think it was Jeff Passan or Passan uh, from ESPN said that it was eight years, three hundred million. Uh, which is interesting because I feel like that's not a break the bank, you know, kind of offer. Uh, now they did say, according to Passan, that they could go higher depending on the Giants, but that's generally not how this all works. It's usually the clubs give their best offer and then, you know, independent of each other. And then the player just chooses which one is the best. Uh, so it's interesting that the Yankees are kind of setting up this dynamic where there's maybe some back and forth between the two clubs. Uh, I don't know. That's, it's just, it's interesting that they're willing to do that. And I, I'm not really sure why. What? Well, what? I mean, first of all, usually this is a very tight lipped thing, right? Like the agent doesn't want this to be out. Right. Like the agent wants to be able to go to each team and control the conversation and keep each of the other teams unaware of what the other teams are offering. Right. And and they can make statements. Maybe they just flat out tell them like, hey, like this is the offer that we got from the Giants or this is the offer that we got from the Yankees. But other times they can just say, hey, that offer is not good enough. We've got multiple offers that are better. Right. And here's what we need. We need need more. um, We need more years. We need more money. We need more annual value. We need all of these things. And and what's happening in this particular case is the Yankees are, are making this a very public conversation. And and the question is, why? Why would they do that? I think there's there's a couple of reasons why maybe uh, just pure, pure speculation. One is that they maybe know that the Giants are the front runners and want to save a little face with their fan base by announcing that, hey, we've made a really competitive off offer. And and I I think of when I think of this, I also think of when the Giants were after Bryce Harper, we learned of the Giants offer which was, you know, 12 years, 300 and whatever million dollars it was. Uh, and, and I think the reason we learned that is because the Giants wanted the fans to know that they had made a really legitimate offer. And that's what it sounds like to me that they are trying to do. And I, I don't know. Because I, I, the, other, the other side that keeps coming to mind is that they leaked their previous offer uh, that they made to judge before this current this last season, and he wasn't happy about it. No, and so I just I'm so and that alone means you would think that they would be like, well, if he wasn't happy about it the last time, maybe we should keep our mouth shut this time, and yet it's still getting out there. Yeah, I mean it, it's very it's just really weird. Like the the only other reason that I could think of is is that they're trying to they think Zaidi's bluffing. 
and they're like, we're going like, this is what we're going to do. And you've been making a lot of noise that you're going to do it, too. But now now everybody knows you have to. Mm -hmm. Right. And so in some ways, maybe they're trying to call his bluff because they think Zaidi's bluffing. And I get it. Like, Zaidi's a cheap bastard. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, the owners allegedly want him to spend money, but for some reason he doesn't want to spend their money. Right. And so that has sort of been his M.O. for the last four years. And, and you know, like like I said last week, you know, one of the arguments is that he's been waiting. He's been waiting for this moment. It's not that he's cheap. It's that he wants to have a lot of money for this moment. So maybe maybe that's part of it. Maybe the Yankees are trying to to call his bluff. I, I think there's a huge part of it is trying to let their fan base knowing that they're they're making a huge, massive offer. Maybe they feel like they're not going to get him at all, and it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to sign with the Giants, and they want to make sure that at least the Giants have to pay a pretty penny for it, right? Because maybe the Giants were going to get him for less, you know? So, you know, maybe maybe it's all of those things, but it, but none of it feels like they're coming from a position of strength, right? It does not seem like an organization that is confident in, in the fact that they're going to re-sign him. And... Um, you know, and I I agree. I, I think they are also trying to make up for a lot of mistakes that they made last year when they they certainly lowballed him. And um, and and I think I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is very strange to me. But but I feel like the Giants can go to forty two million dollars. I mean, we know they can. We know they can afford mm -hmm. it. I think they will go to forty two. So I you know I, I think you know thirty seven. I mean, if they go so right now, this is for the what is this like thirty seven and a half. That, yes, that thirty-seven and a half, which would which would be the the largest uh, AAV annual annual val uh, average annual value, value uh, of any uh, position player in the history. So it is a significant offer. Right, right. But I feel like the Giants could easily go to forty, which would be what roughly three twenty. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I feel like you know, I mean. Maybe maybe this is also the Yankees trying to say maybe they feel like they're not in a good position and they really really want Aaron Judge to to they're like hey look we're willing to negotiate tell us what it is tell us what the number is so we can offer it right maybe that's what it is too like maybe they feel like they're not in a good position with him and uh but the, you know I think if they're not then the chances of them him signing with them are almost zero right now I could be totally wrong because I still think when you know from a, a whole practical level from a logical practical level he's probably going to resign with the Yankees Right. But, you know, it's just starting to look. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting pretty hopeful. I'm getting pretty hopeful. It's, it's you know, I'm starting to feel like it's either going to be the Giants or it's going to be the Dodgers. And I'm going to have to burn everybody's house down. OK, well, before before we talk about that, the ramifications of he signs with the the the, the team that shall not be named. Uh, I feel like the, the Giants are in an interesting position in that in a couple ways. One is that they have put themselves in a corner where they have to come out swing it, right? I mean, they they have to they have to do something here. And and so with Judge, 8 years, 40 million, uh I think is probably 
the very least that the Giants will get him. Um, now you could do things like at a ninth year with like a player and club option, you know, where it's a you know a club buyout for five million or ten million or whatever, and a you know player option for fifteen million or whatever, similar to what Longoria had, you know, just just recently. Uh, that adds you know at least some money onto the end of the contract that that uh, might be a little bit of an enticer. I think the other way the Giants can kind of figure things out a little bit too is by front loading the contract and they've got you know a lot they have like almost virtually no long-term contracts after this year right and so they they've got a lot of flexibility over the next few years so they could do you know 45 million you know 50 million even maybe the first year you know really front load the contract a little bit to make the last couple of years and that way you can you can even add you know add on a year uh, a ninth year uh, and not have it be as painful nine years from now uh, for a couple of reasons. One is that you've now, you know, it's a lower number because you've front loaded the contract. Uh, but also with inflation, you know, uh, $30 million today, you know, is uh, the equivalent of $40 million in 10 years. Uh, that's assuming about a three percent uh, increase, three uh, percent annual inflation, which is kind of they low. would have to pay him forty million dollars then to equal thirty million dollars. Right, and so so you have a thirty million dollar contract um, in twenty thirty two. That's really twenty million in today's contract. You know, that's it, Matthew. People, Matthew found the only good thing about inflation. Exactly, the contracts of your sports teams are becoming less valuable. Exactly. So it's not as bad as it sounds. It's not as bad right? as it sounds. And, the and Giants... we actually want, we want inflation to stay high for this very reason. Exactly. And and the Giants have a couple other things going for them in terms of revenue, right? So we haven't talked about this, but uh, 2017, actually, they paid off the ballpark, right? They were, yeah. So they actually, uh, for those of you who don't know, they, they, they privately financed uh, Oracle Park. Uh, one of the few professional organizations that didn't rely on public money to to fund their ballpark, uh, so they had a mortgage, and uh, and it was a twenty year mortgage, and they were paying off you know a lot of that uh, through the first twenty years, and it was a good thing that Oracle was selling out for those first twenty years, uh, but uh, now they don't have that on the books anymore. They've also are developing the uh, the development right next to Oracle Park uh, that will include housing and office space and restaurants and parking and all of that, of which they will get millions of dollars you know out of annually there that doesn't even involve baseball. So I think they've put themselves in a situation where they are going to be able to afford these big contracts and they shouldn't be scared away by them because they will have multiple sources of, of, of income uh, to fund it. And so to hear all these pundits out there talking about Zaidi being afraid to spend money or the Giants not you know spending money, I think is ridiculous because the Giants are setting themselves up to be able to compete uh, with anyone. Well, well, thank you, Matthew, for calling me a pundit. <laughs> Because I'm definitely one of those guys. Uh, no, I mean, it, it is like there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes financially that are actually in the Giants' um, uh, favor that I think a lot of people don't know about. And those, you know, the ballpark is one of them, right? Because the Giants own their ballpark, whenever they rent it out for any other event, that money goes to the Giants, right? Normally it goes to whomever owns the stadium. Now, yes, a lot of these teams today are even negotiating to get the, you know, the right to get those funds as well. And, you know, that's a whole nother conversation for a whole different type of podcast of whether or not that's good or bad. But for the Giants, it's a non-issue. They get that money. 
And because they owned all of that property around there, they get to develop it as well. And and because it's it's a an organization not owned by one dude, but owned by many, many people, right? Yeah. Um, all of that money, you know, the, the best scenario case scenario they can do for themselves is to pay that out as some sort of dividend to themselves or reinvest it in the team. And that is the more likely scenario. Yes, it's their prerogative, but at the you know, I mean, that's why that's why all of these things are, are to the Giants' advantage, and that helps overcome this. I don't know if it's mythical or not, but this San Francisco tax, right? This idea that 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 free agents don't want to come to the Bay Area because of reasons X, Y, and Z. I mean, you know, I, you know the Warriors and and uh, and the Forty ers and the the Sharks seem to do okay in most cases. So I don't know why the Giants can't, but. Maybe baseball players are different types of people. I don't know. But the point is, they should absolutely be able to afford this. The point is, like, they should be ready to spend a huge amount of money. And I think the only reason Aaron Judge doesn't choose the Giants is he doesn't want to be a San Francisco Giant. That's the only reason. Yes, I agreed, because I think money is not going to be the deterrence here. Um, right. Now... So Jeff Passan, I keep wanting to say it's Passan, but it's Passan. Jeff Passan uh, also reported that Judge is expected to sign during the winter meetings, which actually start on Sunday and go through Wednesday morning. Woo-hoo! So by the time we record next week, according to Mr. Passan, we should know what Aaron Judge has done. So if Aaron Judge doesn't sign with the Giants... Uh, so th- I think this is the interesting thing because clearly all the big names that are in free agency right now are waiting for the judge domino to fall, right? Because no other big time free agent wants to rule out the Giants as a possible possible bidder until they are no longer in the game, right? And so so I think it's smart for all these other, for all the shortstops and all that to just sit and wait until uh, until Judge has made a decision on where he's going to go. And uh, so once that's decided, then I think we'll see a flurry of signings, uh, possibly within the next week. Uh, And with that, I have a question to ask you. So you mentioned Judge going to the Dodgers as a possibility. I mean, that's what the rest of the country thinks. Right. Because the I, Dodgers I, have a crap load of money and, uh, and, and the difference that they have that the Giants don't have is that they can point to their multiple division championships and their World Series championship and their World Series appearances as their commitment to winning, right? Which, as Judge has said, that is important to him. The Giants have to do a little bit more selling on that, right? I mean, they they got a point. They can point to their 107, you know, win season. They can point to 2010, 2012, 2014. But that's far enough in the rearview mirror where they're going to have to do a little bit more selling on why the judge should pick them if winning is important to him. Um, so, if the Dodgers are the ones, if Judge ends up leaving the Yankees and going to the Dodgers, what happens? If, if if Judge goes to the Yankee the Dodgers, yes. what happens? Like, like what in Dodge in Yank in, I'm sorry, in Giant fandom, how how badly do the Giants fans just lose their mind? Completely. Completely lose their minds. 
as well they should, uh, right? We we shouldn't yeah, be losing. As, as we should uh, not be losing Aaron Judge to the Dodgers. Um, I you know they're they're if he's going to go to the Dodgers instead of the Giants, then then he the Dodgers must be giving him something that the Giants just don't possess. A winning right? tradition. Well, right. Like, I mean, that's like, like the Giants have to come in. Like I would offer, I would offer, you know, like what the Dodgers are not going to go to 42 million. If they, you're telling me that the Giants, the Giants offer 42 million and he still goes to the Dodgers for 36 or whatever they have, they, they offered. Yeah. Right. Th- yeah what, I don't remember what they offered though. Was, they offered a low? short-term contract, but that's what, that was just from one guy that announced it. We haven't heard right. anyone confirm that. So right. they, they might still be in it. Right. Well, you know, I mean, the point is, is that if he goes to the Dodgers, it's it's uh, it's absolute despair. It is absolute despair and anger and incredulous incredulity. It is the uh, I, I I can't imagine. I don't think we've ever seen the fan base as angry as they would be under those circumstances. Coming off of the season that we just had, and and, and coming off of the the whole bunch of nothing that Farhan Zaidi's regime has delivered in terms of team building to this point. Well, right? that and just the promises that they've made, the 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 statements that they've made this year about how there's no free agent that uh, is out of their reach financially. I mean, Farhan said that, right? And uh, and so. I think the expectations are pretty darn high. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, look, if he goes to the Dodgers, which I don't think he will, but if he does, or if he did, or even if he goes to the Yankees, like if he doesn't go to the Giants, the Giants absolutely have to immediately turn around and get to work signing like Correa and Rodon. Agreed. Right. Yes. Getting those, getting those two, like two really big names um, from the rest of the of of the pool of free agents to 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 counter that move. I think it's much much better for the Giants if he goes to the Yankees. Obviously, he goes to the Dodgers. That's that's just detrimental because they're in the same division, um, and just also the psychological damage that that does to the fan base. But the Giants have to go sign big names. If the Giants don't come away with big names and they lose Aaron Judge, regardless of whether he goes to to the Dodgers or back to New York or he goes to, I don't know, Miami, right? If the Giants don't sign big names, this fan base is going to be absolutely checked out, right? They are not going to show up at the beginning of next season. And the Giants are going to have a lot of work to do to sell the fan base on the idea that this team has a direction, that it has a destination that it's heading for. If they can't sign big names, and the especially with the minor leagues taking a step back this year, I don't know what they do to convince us to buy tickets. Right? Right. Like, they have to go sign a bunch of... The only thing that I can think that they could do is sign a bunch of lesser-known free agents who are on the younger side and then prove it on the field, right? On the younger side means that they'll be giants for a while. 
And then when they prove it on the field that these were the right guys to get, then we can get excited about the fact that we have these guys for the next few years. And it buys the Giants some time to correct whatever mistakes they're making in the minor leagues. And I also then think they have to lean heavily on guys like Harrison and anybody else who appears like they're anywhere near ready in the minors and push them faster. You know, like I think if they get no big names, Harrison might have to start on the on the roster at the beginning of the season. Not because he's ready and not because that's the best baseball move, but because that's what they can sell to the fans. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, if they don't get any big names, I... I I think they're, they, you know, I, I think the fan base is going to be extremely unhappy and they're going to demonstrate that by, by not buying tickets. The not buying tickets thing is, uh, brings up something in my mind. So the Giants this year, I think, were averaging, um, I can't remember the exact number, but it's about 10,000 seats less than what they've traditionally, you know, they're, you know, prior to the pandemic, up until about 2018, 19, they were selling out pretty much every year. Uh, and then um, after now, they're they're averaging about 10,000 less per, per game. And I was doing the math. It's simple math. You had like, let's say the average person spends 100 bucks at the ballpark. Right. And then that that's uh, by 10,000. That's a million dollars a game that they're they're missing out on in revenue. You multiply that by 81, that's $81 million that they are now uh, losing out on. And I got to feel like, you know, so, I mean, just is is Aaron Judge worth 10,000 extra butts in the seat? I got to think he would be. And the math right there shows that just by just by paying him $41 million a year, you're only half into that ticket sales that you've just, you know, now, now that you've been losing the last few years. So... Uh, I I just can't think of any reason why they wouldn't get one of them, but because there's no reason, there's no reason other than the fact that maybe we're totally inept and that when we get in a room with a free agent, we don't know what to say. We're like that awkward kid that's asking the his his crush to the prom, right? And and just totally bombs the the ask. And I mean nowadays kids just hold up signs and maybe our sign isn't clever enough. Like uh, and and we just don't have the the. Are you saying that we're blowing our promposals? I, that's what I'm saying, and and if we keep hmm. doing that, uh, then we need to maybe get a better looking GM. Like I don't know. I mean, it's you know, there's got to be something that that goes because we just. I mean, this is the year, and this is the year that we've been led to believe is the is the one. And if we can't turn the close the deal on this, then can we ever close the deal? Not with this regime. Now, I really do think this is the year. I, I mean, you know, look, winning, winning solves all problems. But you know, like the Giants, I don't know, winning the third, the third, the, the final wild card. I don't know that that classifies as winning, right? I mean, maybe if you pull the Phillies and you make it to the World Series, you can kind of forgive and forget. But but then it just kind of puts you on a one year extension, you know, like the. This this organization has either by plan or by accident painted themselves into a corner where they have to define the future of this team in a single offseason. And if they cannot do that, then I think you have to start assuming that they can never do it. And and it's time to think regime change, you know, right. and it's and for a that weird reason, kind I of think thing. That, and for that reason, I think some people are going to get paid this year I mean, it, and overpaid. I, I think yeah. that, uh, to, you know, and that's the price that you pay for not having your minor leagues where you thought they would be. That's the price you pay for not uh, figuring out that you had an old aging team that couldn't play defense. Now you've got to now you got to pay up. 
And you couldn't have bought, you couldn't have paid for one good free agent two years ago and another one last year, right? right. Like you couldn't have done that. Like you, you really, you couldn't have. I, I don't believe that. I don't their believe that you couldn't have signed. Enough, ben. Their proposal was not good enough. Yeah, I mean, you know, hey, hey, well, you're not going to get any if you can't uh, if you can't up your game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, it's it's do or die. I, I think it's do or die for for this regime and, and this this free agent season. Like, they do not want to put themselves into the position that they're going to be in if they don't sign any big names, because the, it's then yeah. they're going to have to prove it on the field, and that's a. That's a lot. To, like, look what happened last year, right? You know, it, it didn't work, and they won eighty-one and eighty-one only because they rallied at the end, right? Yeah, they had a surge. Well, they had the two most to finish they had the two most miserable months of July and August that you've ever seen in baseball, right? And then right. managed to kind of pull it out at the end. And then the last couple weeks of September, they surged to finish five hundred. Um, if you're in that situation at the end of next season and you didn't sign anybody big. I think I think there's going to be a new GM, a new a new a uh, new head of operation baseball operations. All right. Well, on that happy note, um, <laughs> switching gears. So, the last big free agent that we that we signed, that the Giants signed, that uh, in in our lifetime. Uh, which we're pretty old, so there's not there's a lot to choose from. But uh, our, in, inarguably, Barry Bonds is the biggest free agent the San Francisco Giants have ever signed, uh, both in terms of name value at the time and what he did for the organization afterwards. And uh, the reason I bring him up is Sunday. He uh, his Hall of Fame, perhaps last chance at being in the Hall of Fame is is before a panel of baseball experts, writers, former uh, former GMs, and and then also uh, former players. And uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Is 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 Barry Bonds a Hall of Famer? Is Barry Bonds a Hall of Famer? Ooh, that's a loaded question, Matthew. That is a loaded question. Not really, Not really a loaded question. <laughs> There's really only, only one answer to this question. There's only one answer, right? There's only one answer. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people would think that there's only one answer, and 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 the, and a lot of people would give you the opposite answer. Um, <laughs> look, you know, here's the thing. Here, I, I'm going to make a couple of examples. Okay, Pete Rose, not in the Hall of Fame. Shoeless Joe Jackson, not in the Hall of Fame. Ty Cobb in the Hall of Fame. And why do I bring those three names up? Well, Pete Rose and Shoeless Joe Jackson are easily amongst the greatest baseball players to ever play the game. Um, On paper, they are not only Hall of Famers, but they're top-tier Hall of Famers. They are the best of the best. Um, Ty Cobb, same, right? I mean, he played in a different era, but he was, until Babe Ruth came along, the greatest baseball player who ever lived, um, but was an absolute a-hole, right? Racist, a-hole, nobody liked the guy. He was a despicable human being, right? But here's the thing. You don't get into the Hall of Fame because you're a nice guy. Right. right. I was just going to say, it's not the Hall of Nice Guys. Yeah, it's not the Hall it's, of Nice Guys. It's also not the hall of best stats, right? 
it's the hall of fame. It is the players ah. that had the biggest impact during their era, right? And it is a museum of fact, not of morality and not of what we wished things were or not how things might have been if the rules were the way that we wished they were. Shoeless Joe Jackson and Pete Rose are not in the Hall of Fame because they were banned from baseball. They were banned. It is a factual truth that they are not allowed to be part of Major League Baseball. Right. Barry Bonds was never banned. Barry Bonds, for better or for worse, and I think it's worse, and I think it's really stupid, and I think there were a lot of really wealthy people running baseball who were looking the other way when all of this was going down, but he didn't break the rules. Right. And so, like, on all for, for all of that, Okay, then let's just make it a matter of fact. Let's make it a matter of what he did on the field. And absolutely, he's one of the all-time greats. And let's do, let's, okay, now let's break it down even further than that and say, okay, well, what if, like, he did steroids, right? I'm not going to say he didn't. But, like, let's look at the guy's career before he did the steroids. That's still a Hall of Famer. So, so yes, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. And and I think the only reason that he isn't in the Hall of Fame is because people don't like him. That's right. it. If he was a That's nice why guy. I think he's not in the Hall of Fame. If he was a nice guy, he was a nice guy, and the writers loved him, then he would be in. And I, and I, I'm, I, I think that's interesting. Your distinction between it's not, you know in the it's not the Hall of Stats, it's the Hall of Fame. And and you know what you said was it's you know, the people who are in the Hall of Fame are those who had a significant impact on the game while they were playing, right? They were the the stars of their time. And yet, whenever we get to election time, all we see from the writers is their baseball reference stats and their career war and all of that. And then they're compared, for better or for worse, against other positions across different decades and uh, and ultimately, that seems to be the arbiter of who gets into the Hall of Fame or not. And uh, and so. So now Bonds has kind of he's his time, his 10 years on the ballot has come and gone. And now he's got these uh, this panel of players and writers and all that. And uh, as part of that. And um I don't know. It's going to be interesting. What's what's interesting to me is, and I don't remember exactly who all is on the the the, the panel, uh, but one I do know is Susan Slusser, who is a San Francisco beat writer uh, for the Chronicle. And um, now Susan Slusser, I think, used to be uh, an A's writer, actually, until recently. Now started becoming a Giants writer, so she didn't necessarily cover Bonds uh, during his heyday, uh, but. Yeah, he is. She is the local representative, and I feel like, um, and 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 I guess traditionally, somebody in the panel has to get up and kind of sing the praises of a player that they feel like should be, uh, should be uh, nominated or should be enshrined. And it's good. I, I'm curious who that person's going to be because I mean, Bonds also wasn't necessarily liked among some of his peers, and uh, um, but I think also uh, it's hard to deny how good the man was and. Um, I saw, I saw a stat today that was like, he, like he had over a thousand, oh gosh, I wish I could remember it. It was like a, it was some weird stat where he had like more career walks than swing is and misses. 
uh, in his career. And uh, just that kind. I mean, steroids doesn't improve that stat, right? I mean, that's uh, maybe the only way that improves it is it allows you to play longer, like your longevity maybe. Uh, But as far as... um, you know, bat to ball contact. Um, he's one of the best there ever was, and I, I absolutely think he belongs in the Hall of Fame, regardless of the baggage that he has. Because I, you know, I think you make a good point. You know, uh, there are people in the Hall of Fame already that you know have that you could you could make an argument shouldn't be there based if it was the morality Hall of Fame, right? And uh, yeah. uh, but it's not. This is this is about yeah. you know, what you did on the on the field, and uh, he was the best there ever was. Yeah, agreed. And and I think I, I think that I mean to me that's really what it comes down to, right? Like they don't like him, so they didn't vote him in. And 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 they they hide behind the steroids thing. And obviously that's like if it wasn't for the steroids things, he'd be in. Like I, I'm not I'm not saying he isn't, but I think there's an extra there's an extra reason here, right? Which is they also just don't like him. Um, and and I think they're you know I mean and even odd they're trying to enforce rules that they don't get to create. And. Uh, you know, it, it makes me question the whole the whole process, quite frankly, of how people get in and out. I did find a tweet, by the way, that says Barry Bonds had 28 more intentional walks than swings and misses in 2004. So I don't know if that it was a single season. I don't know if that's the stat you're talking about. But he Maybe had 28 more intentional walks. He had 120 intentional walks in 2004. It's just mind boggling. 120. Um, and he had 92 swings and misses in a single season. So um, I, I think Barry belongs in the Hall of Fame. I, I would kind of be surprised if he ends up getting in. Right. I, I think I think I, I, I assume that he won't. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, but, you know, it, it's just there were a lot of things wrong with that era. And, and I think I I. I I don't think it, it it's on any of these people to try to fix those things, right? Right. Like it's not right. their job. It's not their responsibility. It's not their right. And uh, you know, it, it it yeah. I mean, I think it it tries to bury something under the rug. No pun intended. Uh, it tries to uh, it tries to bury it under the rug and act like it didn't happen. And uh, I, I think you could have a much better, you know, you would admit that this this era happened by having these players in the Hall of Fame. And I think but, I think if they just admitted it and said yeah, these were still the best players and we're gonna you know they should be in the Hall of Fame if they just went ahead and did that then we wouldn't keep bringing it up every year right I mean yeah. it would be a moot point it would all be water under the bridge and we'd be moving on but we're not moving on because there's still the injustices that are happening around around people still talk players. about Shoeless Joe and yeah people still talk about Shoeless Joe and 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 P Rose. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, and one of those men has been dead for a very long time. <laughs> uh, you know, this will never go away. This will never go away. It, and yeah. and uh, you know, it, it, yeah. And and I don't, I I don't think that, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe a hundred years from now, when nobody remembers it, they'll they'll go back and they'll look at the history books and they'll and they'll change things. But um, yeah, I I don't think I don't think anybody looks good by not not voting him in. Uh, but you know, I sure I'm sure they feel really good about themselves. You know? <laughs> All right. Well, and and then there's one other player that maybe we should mention before we wrap this up, and that's Jeff Kent. 
uh, still on the ballot. He has steadily gotten more votes each year, uh, but isn't anywhere close to the, what, 75 percent, I think, that you need to uh, to get um, uh, elected. Uh, what do you think? Same thing for him? Just people don't like him? Yes. Also comes from that era. So I think everybody from that era is a little tainted. You know, I think... Um, and I think, ironically, a lot of people downplay his MVP. Mm. Ironically, because it, they probably felt like it should have gone to Bonds. <laughs> you know, <laughs> these people, they get to have their cake and eat it, too. You know what I mean? Right, These, uh, right. these guys in their ivory towers. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, he's quite, he's easily one of the greatest offensive second basemen of all time. Um, I, I think for that reason alone, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, that's the part um, that yeah, kind of I see a lot. I see a lot of arguments against him because they kind of take him out of the second base kind of comparison. Like shortstops compared to shortstops, and you know, outfielders get compared to outfielders. But like second and and traditionally, I feel like you know you get compared to your com- to your uh, to your contemporaries at your position, and yet uh, Bond or Kent seems to you know get the shaft on that. I don't know why, but. Um, you know, and and maybe because he wasn't a very good defensive second baseman, uh, but still, I mean, he's one of the most prolific uh, second baseman offensively in the history of the game, and and I don't know why that's being ignored. I mean, uh, if you're just going by by that alone, he's he's certainly a Hall of Famer, and that you know, there's very few second basemen that have put up numbers that Jeff Kent put up. I mean, he's the 98th best offensive WAR player in history. Really, top 100. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he won't be for, you know, he won't be, you know. Well, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, he is kind of close to some other question, you know, borderline players. Um, But, you know, Joe Torre is in the Hall of Fame. I was a manager. So Joe Torre did not make it as a player. And he's he's a little bit above Joe Torre. Interestingly enough, he's only a little bit below Shoeless Joe. But Shoeless Joe's career was cut short because he, um, you know, he. Bet on baseball. Yeah. Bet on baseball. Ryan Sandberg, Hall of Famer, second baseman, played for uh, 16 seasons. His war was 60.5. Kent played for 17. His war was 60.1. So there you go. It's because people don't like him. That, I think yeah, that, that's, that, that proves like it. a good comp. That proves that's it good... to me. Ryan Sandberg. Ryan Sandberg's in. Jeff Kent's out because Ryan Sandberg's a nicer guy. Well, he was a very nice End guy. End of story. Everybody loved him. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Right? That's it. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, and That's baseball it. writers really. I mean, why? Why are baseball writers the ones that decide this? Like, I, I don't know why. That's all of a sudden they're they're the experts and they're the the, the gatekeepers of all things baseball. It just seems stupid to me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they should be at all. I, I mean, I think that uh, you know, if anything, they're jaded and uh, they're not fans. Right. Well, yeah, especially, you know, you, know, you don't get Which, the uh, the interview from the guy or the guy is rude right. to you when you interview him. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm not voting you for the Hall right. of Fame. I would also argue that they're not historians. Right. They may be writing history, but they're not historians. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some of them are, but most of them aren't. And, you know, so, I mean, I think there's a lot of good reasons why they do select that people. They've been there a long time. They've seen a lot of players. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess that's yeah. the kind of, you know, and then the other question is, if not them, who? Right. And those are good questions that I don't have the answers to. But but I think it does allow them a, a lot of, of power that they do flex. And you see guys make really weird votes and gals. You yeah. know, you see uh, p- people make really weird votes and it's because they're weird people um, and not being, um, you know, objective. Right. 
Right. And, uh, but, you know, at, at the same time, I don't know what better what process would be better. Right. So. So I don't know. All right. Well, I think we're at the end of the uh, the hour here. Uh, I would ask Bob to tell us where we can find us, but it's not just Instagram and Twitter anymore. So Bob's getting a little outdated. Um, we, we also are on Mastodon. So Twitter and Instagram, we're at Giant Cocktails. Uh, Mastodon, which I put my very first post up today. So mm. uh, threw out a couple of older recipes, not the tequila sour, or maybe it was the tequila sour. Actually, maybe it was. <laughs> I, it should have been if it wasn't. Uh, and uh, uh, put that up there just to kind of uh, have an inaugural post there or toot, if you will. And uh, so you can find us there at, at Giant Cocktails at, uh, oh gosh, I always forget it, uh, sfba.social, San Francisco Bay Area, so SFBA. Dot social and uh, uh, hope you you know if you happen to get on Mastodon you can give us a follow there. Uh, hopefully Twitter doesn't implode within the next week when uh, when when uh, apparently Judgment Day will be upon us. <laughs> See what I did there? Judgment Day. Uh, so uh, yeah, I guess we just gotta sit tight and hold on and uh, through the weekend and hopefully we got some good news to report next week, Ben. Uh, hopefully so. I've got my cocktail recipes ready. I got a good one, and I got a not good one. <laughs> all right. All right. I, I'll have to work on that then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, before we go, though, I also wanted to mention, uh, also rate and review us on your uh, podcast player of choice. It, it really helps us out. And, and I'll be honest, I uh, had looked at our Apple uh, reviews lately. I mean, for the longest time, it was just our mom. Who made some like kind of weird review on there, which is typical of our mother. Hi, mom. Uh, and and so I didn't want to go keep looking at that and be embarrassed by what our mother had written, so I didn't. And so today, actually, I saw, and we actually had a couple of other reviews. So I wanted to shout out to Steve and Septa Lamour. I, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, who both left very nice, uh, very nice reviews for us. So you too could go over to Apple and leave your own review. Uh, uh, unless it's not a good one, then then don't bother. But uh, yeah, but if, yeah, you, know, if you have any nice things to say and you want to give us a, a shout out, it would be very much appreciated. And uh, uh, we've really enjoyed uh, you know doing this. Uh, and I've really enjoyed the off season, and I think you have too. Our downloads have been great, uh, and uh, I'm glad that we can keep providing this uh, judge talk for you for the the off season. Yeah, maybe maybe we should just change the podcast to just be about Aaron Judge all the time. That's right, Judge cocktails. Hopefully, hopefully that happens. Because well, he signs if he signs, things. then we got to do a cocktail a month, right? We made a commitment to do that. Uh, right, but we learned today that it's okay to cheat. And I think there was other some horrible thing that we said that I don't even remember. <laughs> well, I can't remember okay that too. I did two cocktails in three weeks, so we don't remember this. Yeah, again, so. yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, yes, I we are committed to doing one cocktail a month for Mr. Judge when he signs with the Giants. So if that doesn't push him over, nothing will. That's right. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Septa. Matthew. All right. Well, thank you both. And uh, until next week, Ben, it was good chatting with you. And uh, cheers, my friend. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye. Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until then, bottoms up. Bottoms up.